10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Borodar Pab, Kroisoi Avatari, everyone, welcome to Swansea the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. Tonight, we are joined by Andrew McDonald, campaign director and founder of the Campaign Against Off-Rolling, off-rolled student turned activist. To quote the spectator, schools know they cannot exclude children for poor performance, they just hope that parents don't call their bluff. End quote. Let's go. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boradar Palp, Kroisoi Abatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. Twilight show here on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn. Now it definitely is me, even though it might sound like I've dropped an octave, I'm doing my best uh, macho man Randy Savage, if there's anyone who used to watch wrestling in the 80s. I have got that horrible cold or flu thing that is going around, but it's definitely me and I am here. I'm just a couple of octaves lower. Uh, now, as I say, tonight we're talking about a really interesting topic that as I've read more into, I think you know, people will have heard this word, they will have seen headlines about it, they might have some understanding, but the true kind of unpicking it and what it really means, I think is going to be really interesting tonight. I'm really pleased with our guest as well. We're just going to check that we've got him connected. Um, Andrew, can you hear me? I certainly can. Can you hear me? Yeah, you are coming through loud and clear. Now, I will apologise. You can hear a, a slight crackle in the voice here as, as I talk. I've been trying to save it. I've got some hot lemsip next to me. But if I do go silent and I've muted myself all of a sudden, it's probably because I've killed over on the floor. Um, but welcome <laughs> to Teachers Talk Radio. Why didn't we start off? You just tell us a little bit about yourself, sort of briefly set the scene for us, and then we'll start digging into bits and pieces about what you currently do. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on uh, today, Nathan. It's uh, great to be here. Uh, like you, I've also got a bit of a cold, but um, mine's come from uh, the Labour Party conference. Uh, we just got back from it. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, I'm Andrew. I'm uh, from Mansfield, which is just in the uh, East Midlands in the UK. Uh, I went to a uh, multi-academy trust school and was off-rolled. Uh, I was left without education for four or five months. Um, but got myself sorted out, sorted my qualifications out, and uh, I worked in the political political sphere for a bit. I was a political journalist, and then worked in trade union and organising and um, some advisory work for a couple of parties. Uh, and then I thought, you know, I can I can make a bit of a difference with my knowledge of you know my first hand knowledge of being off road and you know the political stuff that I've done. So I set up the campaign against off rolling in March of this year, and we officially launched a couple of weeks back. And we're working to completely eradicate off rolling from the British educational system. Um, and so, you know, we're going to get into sort of what is um, off rolling, what you know, where people are drawing those lines. And, and uh, when we go through, I'm sure, you know, there'll be sort of questions about it, because, you know, Ofsted have got a slightly different opinion to what some other people say and you know they're, 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 it is a very gray area i would say um now one of the things i did want to ask you about uh, uh, you know as long as you're okay with it is to talk a little bit about your own experience yeah. of being off-road and what that was like um because 
I think, you know, I don't want to pitch too high for you, Andrew, but, you know, you're, 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 you're doing okay for yourself at the moment. You've, you've, you found further education. You have, have found a passion in life that you want to do something with. Um, you don't necessarily sound like the kind of thing some people maybe have pitched kind of what off-rolling is like at. You know, I don't want to stereotype you there. What, what happened to you? Oh well, yeah, absolutely. I've been incredibly fortunate with my kind of um, you know outcome of off rolling. Um, so yeah, I, um, I I enjoyed school when I was there. You know, it was relatively mixed. I was always good at PE. You know, quite good at sport. You know, I played the football, played the rugby team, um, and I was always good at humanities. So English, you know, history. Uh, I, I could. I was always quite good with cheeky with my mouth. Uh, I'd be a bit mm. um, a bit mouthy with the teachers, but you know, got on relatively well with most of them. Uh, you know how it is. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, when I got to year ten, um, I was um, I was a bit of a naughty kid, but I wasn't too bad. But I had some undiagnosed SEND, mm-hmm. um, so I was a bit of a behavioural and academic attainment issue. Um, and they thought, you know, it'd be better if he, he wasn't on our roll for the upcoming Ofsted in- inspection of the school and the academic tables that would come with my year group. So um, at the beginning of year ten, I was um, off rolled. I was. They threatened to put me in a pupil referral unit. Um, they said if I didn't go, then they'd permanently exclude me. I'd be left without anything. Um, but my mum kind of said, no, we're not having that. So I was left without anything for about five or six months. But then it got to the stage where my mum had to actually get a uh, legal advice to kind of get me sorted. And I was set up in another school um, on a slightly reduced um, slightly reduced um, GCSE set. But still, nonetheless, it was all right. Um, but yeah, it was pretty pretty traumatic in the five or six months that I was left without any educational provision. Um, but, and and uh, as a young person going through that, did you have an understanding of what was happening to you? Had you, you know, were you aware of off rolling or proofs or, or things like that before this started happening? Not really, to be honest with you, because it's not something that's taught, spoke about very much. Uh, I knew what pupil, pupil referral units were because um, in my area there was a fair bit of knife crime and um, what it was if you were caught with a knife you got sent to a pupil referral unit so everyone kind of knew them for that but it wasn't really oh yeah if you're a bit of a educational nightmare you don't get sent to a PRU I had no idea what off rolling was and we just thought oh you know they wouldn't do anything wrong because they're the school they wouldn't you know do us over you know what I mean yeah um, and, and it must have been incredibly hard for the family as well sort of the people around you yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I've got my mum and my uh, lovely younger sister. And um, yeah, it was really quite difficult for, for mum, especially because, you know, single parent family in a relatively economically deprived area. Um, you know, it's the case for a lot of young people who are off-road. That they'll just be left with so many pressures, you know, both economic and social, that this is just another thing that the families just don't really want to deal with. So it's... Um, it's not ideal for parents. And I know my mum took it very well with the constant kind of pressures that came with having a child out of an educational provision. But um, yeah, for most families, it will be incredibly traumatic. Um, yeah. And, th- you know, thank you for, for obviously sharing those, those, you know, personal parts. But I think it is important that people hear from, from the individuals, you know, as well as the, the numbers and the figures. Um, because, you know, when, when we get on to talking about who this happens to, 
what the you know what can happen afterwards i think that'd be really powerful to bring, to, to, to bring it back now I, w- I wanted just to sort of touch base on you know we've said off rolling a few times now and there may be listeners and we do get sometimes listeners from abroad as well i mean i i work within the uk but wales has a, a separate educational system yeah. um to to england so we're not, we're not governed by ofsted but i'm going to give the quote of um sort of what ofsted say about it um just to give us some context so they say um while there's no legal definition of off-rolling our definition within ofsted is simple off-rolling is the practice of removing a, pru- a pupil from the school role without using a permanent exclusion when the removal is primarily in the interests of the school rather than the best interests of the pupil. Um, This includes pressuring a parent to remove uh, their child from the school role. Uh, While it it may not always be unlawful, Ofsted believes off-rolling is never acceptable. Now, there's still quite a lot of grey in there, but when you're talking about the the campaign against off-rolling and the things that you would like to see stopped... What sort of you know? What sort of personal definition do you have? What activities that schools might be doing are you, are you looking to stop? Well, you know, off rolling is always it's an incredibly unique experience to the individual. But what we um, as the campaign have put together, and it's still working. We're working with a couple of educational legal professionals, various unions, and teachers and families of their experiences to put together this definition. But what we think it is at the minute is um, the act of immorally removing a student from school role without the best interests of the student at heart, or it is in the best interests of the school and trust's academic and pastoral reputation. This includes the forceful coercion tactics that are often used with external bodies. Um, that's kind of what we would see as off-rolling. However, it... Um, oh, do just excuse me for a moment. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it... Um, there are so many different facets to off-rolling it. It's hard to put it down in one definition, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so you've described some of the the, the pressures might, might be there, but, but primarily we're looking at some kind of gain for the school, I guess, in either reduction in behavioural incidents then from a pastoral point of view or... Um, a uh, reduction in, in staff time maybe as well as these academic kind of or is it always when we talk about off-rolling thinking about those headline GCSE data? Generally it uh, it, come down, it comes down to three things it comes down to the progress eight results you know the academic data mm. the Ofsted reports I, it doesn't look good if you have a, a large amount of excluded pupils mm-hmm. and the third being that they can't secure SEND um, funding and they don't want that to come up on the Ofsted um, so it's generally though it, it all comes down to reputation of the school you know um, and the various reputation of the um, top people within the multi-academy trusts and the schools um, and, and when we um, sort of get on to talking about this and this will be you know I, I imagine you've sort of heard these comments before sort of being on the the edge of education um, and, and talking about campaigning but um, where do you sit with um, the idea of, you know, uh, sometimes in education, I'm trying to think how to how to best put this without, uh, you know, it, it being uh, offending to you. Sometimes in education, teachers will say that you shouldn't talk about education unless you are a teacher. We hear, you know, I hear that a lot on Twitter. I hear people sort of saying, you know, we're the ones in the know. It's we're the ones who have the power, you know, for, for want of a better word. Um have you come across any of that sort of kickback against uh, either yourself or people you've worked with 
when it comes to, you know, I don't want to say closed shop, but, you know, education closing ranks, I guess. Yeah, we, we have to an extent because off rolling, it's a taboo, it's a taboo subject. It's swept under the rug and nobody really wants to talk about it. So a lot of people, particularly those who are higher up within the education system, you know, just don't want to address it and don't want anybody speaking about it, let alone somebody who's not a teacher. But generally, we have found a lot of teachers hate the concept of off-rolling, you know, as you know, working in education. Yeah. Most teachers really, really do care about their students and their students' well-being. And they, they hate to see it. So I think as long as we're consulting with teachers and, you know, hearing their side of the story, and uh, they're completely fine with it generally. And one of the things that surprised me, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to talking about some figures and data and, and stuff like that, you know, I was pulling information um, through from a YouGov um, sort of survey that was done was quite the sort of the, the high numbers of teachers that were reporting that they believed, and a lot of this was anonymously, I should say, but um, were reporting that they believed this was something that happened at their school. And I'm just going to, I'll give a couple of quotes just from it while, I, while, while I've, um, uh, while I've got it there. But the numbers for me were, were fairly um, shocking uh, as, a, as a person in education. So here's one from, and again, anonymously as a deputy head from a secondary academy, uh, who, who said, I think it's common. Yeah, obviously it's dressed up as other issues because schools would get into a huge amount of trouble if they knew we were doing it. But I think it's common. Schools would never say that you're below target, so we're going to find you another school. Another head teacher then in a local authority school, a primary, said, in terms of communicating academic reasons for off-rolling, this is not so popular as it's harder to do. There, there seem to be, uh, you know, do we have any hard figures of we know how much this is happening? Um, it's quite difficult to say at this point, but um, uh, the Education Policy Institute, who are an absolute giant in the education policy research, um, area. Um, they did a study between, I think it was 2012 and 2017. They followed an entire kind of uh, year group journey from year seven to uh, year 11. And there, across the um, across the country, there were 50,000 unexplained absences. Not all of these will be off-rolling, obviously, uh, but a strong, a large amount of them will be. Um, so it is an incredibly common issue. And that was only uh, before COVID. So if we just imagine the amount of damage that was done to the education system because of the coronavirus pandemic it will be hugely inflated due to that process so it's it's really really difficult to say but uh, i believe the epi are commissioning an investigation into off-rolling within multi-academy trusts in 2024 so we'll have some more kind of data when that comes out and you know we've already talked a little bit about teachers and you know and the pressures and what and, and what they think but where do you think this the, the 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 locus of this pressure you know is coming from because you know i would like to think that it is not the the educators in the classroom i would like to think that even it's not middle leaders maybe head teachers who who who, who want to do this you know am i being too good intention there is there is there pressure from somewhere making people behave this way uh in, it, it's a multifaceted thing and every single thing is unique to the situation but generally from what we found speaking to families and students and teachers who have been involved with off-rolling in one way or another it generally does come from the top and i think it is the uh, in the yougov 2019 study that you were just quoting there uh, most of them suggested that it was the school head teacher or senior level teachers i.e deputy assistant head teachers um, key stage leaders that were the ones to 
suggest it to happen rather than you know your classroom teachers who are there making the relationships with the pupils so it does appear that it is coming from the top of the academy trust or the school um and so i mean i there's a number of different ways we can approach stuff and I'll be really interested to hear what you know the, the some of the specifics of what you're looking to do when you do it because for me when I hear about you know the, the, these things some of the pressures are you know if if we can remove targets if we can remove things like that when I talk about attendance one of the things I I hate about when we look at attendance is someone just made up 95 percent or better you know, that, that that's a made up number that someone plucked out. And, you know, it, it, there is some research behind it, but it, it, these targets exist. So I'd like to think that if we removed targets, some of this stuff would go away. But do, do you want to go further? You want to change law as part of this um, sort of campaign? Yeah, uh, we really, really do. We're not just here to, you know, moan about it on social media, you know, speak to a couple of people. We, we do want to push a real legislative agenda um, to reform what we believe are the key areas of policy that allow it to happen. I mean, our slogan is educate, investigate, eradicate, and we really want to focus on that eradicate section. I mean, the overlying issue for us is off-rolling is not actually illegal. Mm. And as Ofsted actually highlight in their given definition, it is often seen as unacceptable, unacceptable, unethical, immoral, whatever, but it's not actually illegal, uh, which is our first kind of big policy point. We want to get it in writing, in a law, that off-rolling is illegal. Um, there needs to be a legal limit on the number of pupils excluded, and if violated, there needs to be an emergency investigation by Ofsted or the Social Mobility Commission into the school or academy trust of which it took place. There needs to be a better complaints process for students and families of students who have been moved into alternate provision, whether legitimately or illegitimacy, illeg illegitimately, the process still needs to be there so they don't feel isolated, that they don't feel, oh, we are on our own. There just needs to be several different legislative agendas put in place through Ofsted and the Social Mobility Commission, which will allow this to be taken out from under the rug, out from the back rooms of education and put to the very forefront. And, uh, you know, I just want to hark back to, and it is from a, an article in The Spectator, but this really did hit home for me, which was, you know, and I, I read it out in the introduction sort of very quickly, but they said um, part of it was schools know they cannot exclude uh, children for poor performance. They just hope that parents don't call their bluff. Now, that sort of harks back to something that, that, that you've said there as well, where, you know, I, if parents are unaware, and I'm sure we'll talk about the, you know, the, the, that later on as well, but if parents are unaware of what's happening or, as you've described from your own story, believe that the school would, would do what was best, you know, it must be very hard then to come around or to think, hang on, you know, actually this wasn't right. And so is there, is there potentially an element of underreporting then? Is, is that why we're looking at even um, legitimate or however we want to phrase it, entries into alternative provision or pro or exclusions need to be kind of uh, investigated a little bit more as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, specti that spectator article, there's, the, I can probably count on two hands how many times off-rolling has been featured in a national um, media source like The Spectator. I think The Guardian have done a couple of pieces and The Times have. Um, but it's great to see that they're reporting on these kind of issues. And yeah, absolutely. Most people who have been off-rolled won't know they've been off-rolled. So there needs to be a publicisation issue around, you know, given the symptoms of off-rolling, the various different actions that schools and external bodies will take to off-roll the child. So then people who are sat at home feeling a bit dishevelled about it can think, 
oh, actually, you know what, that is me. You know, I did go through that. And then they can reach out and uh, seek the justice that they really do deserve. Um, and, you know, again, this maybe this is a, a, one of these things about where the power lies within education, I guess, or, you know, who has the information needed to make a decision. But currently, in you know, there will be teachers who can give advice to a uh, parent uh, and say that this is what is right and parents will believe them um is are we talking about being against teachers are we talking about supporting teachers are we talking about just a ban and then work work the rest out later how, how do you see it sort of panning out in the in the in the bigger picture well not at all we're not against teachers um, at all you know teachers are an absolute cornerstone of our society you know um, what we would like to see is a ban on it and then are you familiar with the uh, the stonewall equality champion scheme uh, only a bit um, they offer training to uh, companies schools organizations on how they can be lgbtqia plus mm. friendly we would like to you know try and see a scheme put in by the government to multi-academy trust, local education authorities, um, all forms of alternate education, where it is, they offer a program of education from classroom teachers all the way up to governors, all the way up to multi-academy trust chiefs, how they can deal with off-rolling, what the signs of it are, um, the issues surrounding it, and the various other measures that can be taken with the best interests of the both the school and the student at, at heart. Yeah, you know, I think that, that sounds incredibly supportive. I, you know, I think um, my my biggest fear with you know any sort of um, campaign where we try to address um, some of these things is that I, you know, as I say, you, I, I do think teachers are, you know, in, incredibly good willed about it. I think one of the hardest things when we're talking about this issue, and, and people will raise as uh, you know, as as we get questions coming in would be that balance where schools are trying to balance limited funds, um, limited resources, external pressures, uh, and how that factors in then, uh, you know, the sort of machinery of education factors into an individual person. Um, I, I, I can imagine it's incredibly hard and, and you know, incredibly nuanced to work out. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's... Um... It's going to be a long process, you know, we're consulting with various teachers unions, teachers as individuals and the families and students. Um, and we want to find a solution where everybody's best interests are found, you know, both the student and the families and the schools. Because, you know, the system is always going to be the system, you know, results are always going to be prioritised. So it'd be fantastic for us to even just contribute a small amount where students' educations and lives don't have to potentially be ruined for the preservation of a school to have its results. Yeah, and it, you know I, that 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 the, the way you've described it there really sort of charms me. This idea that this is a real breakdown in relationship for it to get to that point where a child can be left with nothing. You know, it, it, a battle potentially has gone on, some kind of acrimony. Um, and and that doesn't sound like the kind of successful transfers to pupil referral units or alternative provisions where I've seen where actually that is for the benefit, that is um, celebratory in a way, I guess, because someone is accessing a provision that, that actually will support them to do better in life. 
Absolutely. And we're, we're, you know, the campaign isn't against exclusions or alternate provisions in, you know, in any sense, you know, if exclusions need to happen, they need to happen, but they need to be legitimate. If there is a move to an alternate provision, you know, it, it should be in the, in the interest of the child. And generally, in the cases of off rolling, there won't be that long transition, you know, over, you know, between a month to three months of transition through mainstream to alternate provision. And um, do correct me if I'm wrong, but generally, when it's a legitimate move to alternate provision, there is sometimes the option to move back into mainstream. But cer- certainly in the local authority I work in, although the, you know the, Wales is slightly different, all of our children who go to the um, pupil referral unit are dual registered, so they remain for for one you know in the most crass terms they remain the, the school's problem. So yeah. it is in the school's interest for them to do well, is in the school's interest for them to succeed because they remain on the school's books. And so there is regular talk back and forth and, you know, depending on when it happens in someone's career, and this is, you know, maybe uh, an educational career, I should say, in in their journey, uh, this is the bit, one of the things that interests me a lot about off-rolling is that early intervention means that children would potentially be able to return to, um, uh, to, to mainstream schooling. Now, it sounds like from the, the off-rolling that you, you're describing, this is something that, you know, we, we start to see happen or a red flag for it potentially is when it's happening in year 10, it's happening in year 11. Yeah, in the general... Oh, am I uh, live? Yes, I am. Um, yeah. Sorry, the mic thing uh, messed up for me a moment there. But yes, generally it is uh, in year 10 in the or year 11 in the autumn term. Um, so it's September through December for most pupils. They'll find themselves being kind of removed generally it depends whether a uh, school will begin their GCSE preparations in year nine or in year 10 it'll be in the um, second year almost of their GCSE studies Um, so yeah now uh, we've you know we have uh, rambled on a little bit and you know I'm conscious that we're we're skipping all over topics Uh, we are going to pop to a quick app break but when we come back I'd be really interesting to hear uh, sort of your thoughts on why now for off-rolling on particularly on which groups of pupils and and, and which groups of parents as well because I think that's a a very interesting sort of point about who is vulnerable to um, off-rolling and and then some of the impact as well Um, is that all right it absolutely is fantastic we'll see you all on the other side of these ads Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the Teacher's Health Coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There'll be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc Venues St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, 
podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. Now tonight, we're joined by Andrew McDonald. He's the campaign director and founder of the Campaign Against Off-Rolling, an off-rolled student himself, now turned activist. I'm going to give you a quote from The Spectator that I've been reading out, which uh, article on off-rolling, and they said, uh, schools know they cannot exclude children for poor performance. They just hope that parents don't call their bluff. Now, remember, we want to hear from you as well. So if you're listening live in the studio, you can text us in a message uh, live through the Podbean app. You can tweet us on Twitter at TT Radio 2022. Or, of course, you can call in live to the show if you've got a question for Andrew or myself about the topics we're talking about or a story you want to share. Uh, welcome back, Andrew. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. Oh no, uh, it is an absolute pleasure. And as I said, it's a like a, something that I've heard about uh, off rolling. It's you know, it's a phrase that I've heard. I maybe hadn't even put enough thought into it myself. And maybe like a lot of teachers, I'd considered that being that that's not something that I'd ever do. It's not a line that I'd cross, or I you know, I don't work at a school that would do that. I think there's maybe a lot of goodwill, good faith that that this couldn't happen here. Um, We've already talked about sort of the, the, I'll give a quote from Schools Week about the um, off-rolling can be described as the practice of removing a pupil from the school role without a formal permanent exclusion or by encouraging a parent um, to remove their child from the school role when the removal is primarily in the interest of the school rather than the best interest of the pupil. Now that's from an article in Schools Week. Um, Now I know you mentioned earlier that there maybe wasn't a lot of... um, public awareness around it you know I've admitted that maybe maybe I didn't but it's certainly a word that I have heard um why do you think this is an important thing to address now is it something that you know should have been addressed before I imagine this must have been happening when I was at school um you know 30 years ago it it, it can't be a new thing why now yeah well absolutely off-rolling in some form or, or another has been around you know since the dawn of education you know, in uh, Mycenae and Athens, it, it's uh, it's always been a, a. It used to be students would drop out, go into a trade, go into the army, go into whatever, but nobody would really question it. You know, in many of those cases, it would be encouraged by the school for them to do so, and there'd be no, uh, there would be no consequence for the school. But since Tony Blair's education reforms and Michael Gove's um, extra reforms in the early 2010s, schools do actually have a responsibility to ensure students get an education up until the point of 18 or 16, depending on which um, path they go down. But why it's coming to light now, generally I do, I do believe it's as the academization process is being pushed forward and um, the free schools self-governing agenda is being pushed forward. Little thought has actually been given to, oh, should we actually have a look at off-rolling? And I do think that that is why it's coming to light because the free schools who can govern their own policies and govern their own disciplinary processes 
um, they think, oh, if we can get a little bit better on the Ofsted report or the progress, say, or the academic tables, it is worth cutting off, you know, maybe one or two students in each year. But if you look at that, so there's five schools in a trust and one or two a year are doing it. And how many trusts are there up and down the country? It does actually, it's a snowball effect. It's pretty big. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. When, the more I think into it, the more I recognise some of the things that you've described or some of, you know, and I would call them grey areas or, or, or places where maybe teachers have had doubts about, you know, decisions and are they 100% in the best interest of that child alone. I do, you know, it, it does open me up to think this is, you know, this is something that is happening a lot, you know, as would be reflected in the YouGov survey. Um, now, for yourself, you've, you've chosen, I guess, to address it now because it's, it's that time in your life. Um, you went through it. It's something that you wanted to um, address. Um, it happened to you. Is it something that you... Um, you know, you feel, I guess, uh, is a crusade? Do you feel passionately about it? Is it the, the first thing on a list you want to tick off? Why Why are you, uh, Andrew McDonald, taking on this challenge? Well, of course, it, you know, it's an incredibly personal thing to me. It's, you know, I went through it and I've, um, I've come out a lot better than most students that do go through it. Mm. Um, so definitely, yeah, it is a bit of a crusade, I guess. It's just, just one step on ensuring that Every single child, no matter their background, whether they come from single parent family, double parent, no parent family, regardless of economic situation or behavioral attainment, um, to an extent, of course, um, or academic attainment, maintains a strong education up until the point of 16, that they are given a fair shot at society. And they're not, you know, they're not succumbed to the, the will of a multi-academy trust hoping for two, two more points in the academy tables. Um, and to an extent, it is a sort of first thing on a list there are other reforms that i'd like to see down the line you know in 10 15 years but it is definitely one of the most important things to me personally to uh, see happen now i imagine you know and i, I realize we're skipping around on, on on topics and things but i imagine when you you know you, you meet people you talk about this as a project what sort of response do you get from them um sort of you know and i would say people maybe outside of education as well are they aware that this happens are they uh, surprised i think uh, you know for me i imagine to an extent it's an easy sell and then suddenly people realize quite the size of the problem yeah absolutely i mean we speak to a lot of people who are who are involved in politics but not necessarily necessarily education policy in that regard and they think god it is terrible um, and it's always received as, wow, how has this got to this point? How has nobody challenged it before? Is the general reception? Most people have never heard of off rolling if they're outside the education sector, let alone know what it is. So um, it's definitely a, an issue that hasn't really been addressed before and has snowballed into a, a problem that really does need to be addressed. And I think there is a general consensus that it should be addressed. <laughs> Because, okay. um, uh, yeah, I guess, are there people arguing against, arguing for off-rolling, arguing that, there is a, you know, that these reforms would be a bad idea? To an extent, yes, but not, oh. not around the issue of off-rolling specifically. What we're, oh, okay. what we're kind of proposing is a regulation to free schools and multi-academy trust. Right. Uh, they're arguing around the precedent that that would set and are the free schools really free then? Um, 
in that sense, it's more around a legislative precedent that they draw objection to. You know, I don't think that there's many people out there at all that um, think off-rolling is okay. But generally, it is around the legislative precedent that we want to set. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be harsh, but if you know, they 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 could just be uh, lying there. I guess you know, not to cast dispersions <laughs> on it. I probably have to be careful about what I say. But you know, <laughs> having ultimate power means that you have ultimate power, and if they're doing it you know then i guess that they see some kind of benefit from doing it um now i, I wanted to ask that's me being incredibly harsh and you know, it's probably <laughs> the cold coming out there i apologize i'm normally a lot more balanced about that kind of thing but you know if people are gonna do things that are you know touching on the the, the moral gray area then you know i think they need to own it um so <laughs> i wanted to talk about which groups of people or if we're aware or if we know from you know obviously it's quite a uh, hard to get data on this stuff. Do we know which groups of pupils, and I mean that sort of in the demographic sense, this is this is most likely to affect? Is there a gender bias? Is there a obviously? I guess there must be an academic attainment bias. Is there a SEN bias? Uh, yeah, there is, and um, this is based off the YouGov twenty nineteen study, and uh, you know my personal experience is speaking with families and teachers who have experienced off rolling. Generally, it is young men. 97% of students off-rolled in the YouGov 2019 study are male. Um, looking in London, it's more Caribbean young men that get off-rolled, whereas in the Midlands and the north of England, it is white, English and traveller young men that are most at risk. You know, those with SEND across the country, both diagnosed and undiagnosed, are at significant risk. And those on uh, pupil premium who have difficult home lives and have um, behavioural issues as a consequence of that, you know, um, attendance issues, they are the most at risk. And uh, it's it's sad that these young people who are being affected by something they really can't control, i.e. their background, you know, are being made even more vulnerable by the danger of off-rolling. Um, and I wanted to just read out, you know, I managed to find from, uh, and, and, uh, again, it was in the Spectator article, but just what they were claiming was uh, one of the sort of uh, first widely reported cases of off-rolling, which was St. Olaf's grammar school in London and it told 16 pupils that their place in year 13 had been withdrawn because they did badly in their AS uh, level exams even though they'd uh, reached the sixth form entry requirements the year before one father said his son was dumped like old garbage now that's incredibly painful to hear and also I think people would be surprised at the candidness of that statement that that sometimes this isn't Maybe it isn't maybe hidden. It 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 may be um, quite outright or forthright what schools are saying to parents. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's um, it's one of those things. You know, you see schools as you know this strong centre of moral. Kind of, they wouldn't do anything to damage their pupils, whereas you know the reality, for in some cases, is often you know the very opposite. It's it's not often referred to as off-rolling by it's never referred to as off-rolling by the schools as they do it, uh, but it's uh, it's generally agreed that it's it's in the best best interest of everyone involved. You know we wouldn't want any issues and um, generally when it's behavioural or SEND, uh, the, the quote is thrown out: we wouldn't want them to get permanently excluded. Um, and it's a it's a it's a coercion of the pupils that, uh, to the parents saying, oh, yeah, it'll be better for the pupils if this if this goes away quietly. And, uh, you know, I think if we sort of hang on that 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 thread for a second there of um, some of the things that schools might say, because, you know, 
that is something that in you know in previous schools in 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 with teachers that I've met at, at events and things that is something that will probably ring true chime true though that, that that kind of phrasing with a, a number of educational professionals I think around this idea of you know it, we think it would be better for them if they did this thing which meant that they are no longer our problem obviously they don't say the second half of that that sentence or they might suggest that um the child um needs something that the school quite can't quite provide or that they would maybe f- do better in a in a different uh setting and so it can come across to parents that, that the school is helping yeah absolutely and um from the families that i've spoken to i mean the campaign's working with eight families at the minute and they're all based out in the midlands and we're hoping to expand you know our our support system but in the midlands generally there, there appears to be quite a common approach of the carrot and the stick there'll be two um deputy heads generally sat down the pastoral and the ac- academic the pastoral will go on the the line oh yeah we'd love it if they could stay here but it'll be it'll benefit them so much more if they're in xyz or doing abc and then generally the other deputy will be going well you know if you do not do this we will have to look at permanent exclusion you know, there'll be a rush of the process, a lack of real transparency or policy um, around it. So generally, it's either they're being pushed out gently and saying, oh, yeah, it's good if you go away. Or they're saying, if you don't go, we will permanently exclude you, which, of course, is completely unsubstantiated because they can't permanently exclude for issues around academic attainment. No. And um, but when we're dis- sort of discussing these groups, it, it, people must be recording something for the, the the move or, or for the exclusion for, for for these things to happen so do do we know that schools are shining a light on are accelerating through is there a fear that exclusion or uh, behavior sanctions might be being used inappropriately well no the ver- very opposite actually because they don't want to increase their number of exclusions or permanent exclusions that's generally why they do turn to off-rolling um because it never looks good if a school, uh, you know, that school in London, St. Olives, if they ex- uh, permanently excluded 16 pupils in year 12, that wouldn't look good. Um, no. So generally, it is the kind of pushing away the, the unexplained absences and unexplained moves is what I think the general education policy um, collective are calling it. They don't and, really uh, write it down. No. And uh, when you, you know, we talk about unexplained moves as well, would we be including in that, um, and, and I'll, you know, I have heard this, and this is not from schools I've worked in, from on been on the receiving end of parents arriving, having been told that um, their child would be better at, suited at our school. So they've not necessarily left education. They've not necessarily... Um, gone to an AP or a PRU, but they have moved schools um, under advice that the uh, leafy outstanding school wasn't doing so well for them. So so come to the, 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 school, the school down the road. It, is that still off rolling? Yeah, it is. Um, it's not really covered very well in the Ofsted given definition, but in our, what we see as the definition, it's one of the forceful coercion tactics that are often used with external bodies. You know whether that be the school down the road or you know a member of um, the local government saying oh yeah it'd be best if you go that is what we would see as off-rolling as it is a coercion tactic because it's not really in the best interest of the child it's in the or the children within the school it's in the best interest of the school or the trust 
Um, and I guess when we, you know, start unpicking these things, and I know you've talked about some of the things that you'd like to see happen around, you know, shining a light maybe more on some of the, the processes and the things that are going on, would um, would we be um, looking at those um, all moves then and sort of saying, okay, did the school benefit? Is that a useful way to look at it? You know, we can say the child might benefit, but it all might also benefit the school. Should a school benefit from a child leaving? It, if it benefits them, it benefits them. But I don't think that should be the um, the primary reason for for a child leaving, unless they're causing significant harm or disruption to their peers. I think that should be the only time that a, a school should explicitly benefit from a child leaving. If you if if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and that would be you know recorded through the channels of exclusion, I guess, or through referral to a, a provision that could possibly support them better, which would hopefully have maybe more rigor around it than these coerced conversations that you're uh, absolutely because then you know there is a clear process. There have been those that have come before and been written about. You know, everybody knows where they are with that. Whereas with this, nobody really does, you know, the multi-academy trust or the school who are running it don't really know what's going on because they're making it up as they go along because there's no policy to follow. Uh, yeah. Um, and now I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the parents of these pupils because I, I can't, you know, I've read a, a few different documents, but one of the things that I pulled out was, you know, this being particularly damaging or harmful or, or, or people being susceptible to it. I'm not sure on the right wording that I want to choose there but being parents who maybe aren't aware of the uh, academic rules of the, the, the you know, the, the sort of legislation around it, maybe parents who haven't had quite as um, positive an education themselves um, are, are then more at risk of being, I'll, I'll say it, steamrolled by a school who wants their child to move on. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I've, um, I've still got the little scrap of paper uh, that was given to my mum by the uh, the deputy head pastoral. That it says that when she asked, "What are you doing this under?" You know, what bit of uh, school policy lets you do this? It's this uh, little ripped off bit of a attendance form, and it says articles of association, and that's all that's written on it. So if you are completely unaware, as most parents will be, you know, and I don't blame them um, at all. It's um, it's hard to to imagine that a school would just do this. So it's um, it's very difficult for parents, particularly when they're given very little information by the school, to know, oh, no, this is really, really damaging for my child. Um, and, uh, you know, that's another thing then that, I, you know, I wanted to talk about. And obviously, you know, you have been uh, successful in what you want to do and, and, and you're doing well, but um, you are possibly then a... Um, an exception to the rule what happens to or what are the impossible impacts on the child on the family of being off-road well generally the impacts we'll see is most pupils that have been off road will never see mainstream education ever again they're shoved into what what's coined as the, the the back rooms of the education system they'll they'll do a limited gcse curriculum if they do do one they'll come away with maybe two three gcse's and they'll end up in a low-paid job in their local community generally, or they'll end up unemployed because they've not been provided with the skills and the qualifications that they require to have a proper go. Um, and it's it, it's it's a it destroys the lives of pupils and all just for the re reputation of some school. It's an absolutely appalling 
thing, you know, if you if you really think about it. And we, and we should say as well, this is, you know, possibly if we're saying mainly young men uh, around 14, which is, you know, if I think back to myself at 14, I was a, a, a completely different person. I was probably a terrible person, actually. And um, that was not, I would not like to think that my life had been defined by how I behaved or the choices I made at 14. But th- that is kind of what's happening. Yeah. And uh, are you familiar with uh, Dr. Naomi Fisher? Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, I was um I was attending a conference of which she was speaking a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Rethinking Education Conference. Shout out to James Mannion if you're listening. Um and uh, she was uh, giving this presentation on the uh, second chances model that she's working on and it's you know students should be given a first, second, third, fourth unlimited amount of chances whilst they're you know 13, 14 because you know I'm not there yet but who can say when they're 30 they're the same person as they were at 13. You know, it's 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 completely damaging for the rest of their lives for a mistake that they may have possibly made when they were still young. And and I should say as well that by the the nature of our education system, somewhat in the UK, means that the the point that we are removing them or looking for them to be removed is at a point where they are studying for gateway qualifications to access further education and higher education. So we we are potentially not just damaging a year or or two years. We're we're damaging where they can go next. Absolutely, and it's not even just damaging them to go on to study more specifically academic subjects. Even you know the vocational qualifications like uh, T levels, you do need an English and Maths GCSE to access that. And a lot of students who have been off road but don't have them. Um, now I you know I is. Uh, incredibly um, powerful to hear. You know, when you when you talked about um, your own story, um, some of the journeys that go on, and I think about people that I've met, and I, you know, I think about the impact that has had on uh, siblings and the family as a whole. Can I ask? And you can say no to this if, if you want. You said you had a, a sister as well. Yeah, yeah, I did. Did did she continue with education? Did she? You know, was it okay for her? She did indeed. Uh, now, uh, my little sister, she's uh, she's a lot more clever than me, and she was um, she's incredibly lucky. Uh, we're very incredibly lucky to have such a supportive mum. When she was in year seven, she'd seen what I was kind of going through at the time, and um, there was an application to the local. Uh, are you familiar with the GDST? No, uh, that's the Girls' Day uh, School Trust. It's a uh, branch of private schools for um, okay. for girls, and they have an amazing. Um, access program for bursary and scholarship students so she applied and she was lucky enough to get a full bursary to uh, one of the best schools in the area so um, luckily enough she was um, she was away from it all and protected but um, I don't think without seeing what I was going through she would have to be honest. so it does it, it you know I, I was incredibly lucky again you know I'm a bit of an exception but yeah, um, yeah. you know I, I find the, the personal stories and as a, you know when when talking to people about whether it be attendance, alternative provision, all of these things. I think we, we, we think at system levels in education and we are not very good at looking at how those policies and expectations and, and things like targets around, you know, progress eight and things, how those filter down and affect individuals on the ground and, and what that actually means at a granular individual level for a specific pupil. If you are getting pressure to say, we need this number to go up by 3% and one child is worth 3%, I think for me, there's an, the tail wagging the dog. I think it's, you know, there's something around what we're measuring in schools that maybe isn't helping there.
absolutely and you know the um the examination the examination system and the um the surrounding areas that's a complete other debate but um definitely the system has created this issue through its almost obsession with the kind of we need this result we need this result and it, it has created itself almost um now you know you've you've mentioned a couple of times um academy chains and you know i, I it would go remiss of me not to kind of just push a little bit on there of you about your opinions of the the academy system um do you think that and and the free schools to some extent as well has made it worse or made it more able to happen than when we were under local authority control i should say in wales we don't have academies yeah i i i honestly i do think so um because i think when you introduce an almost privatized model into a socialized system it's only just going to cause issues and um definitely i think as you you can see the push of the economization agenda by the um, Michael Gove, Dominic Cummings department for education uh, period. They, they left the job undone. They didn't leave all bases covered and it's evolved into this, this monster, the multi academy trusts have, which they just care about results, just care about the um, academic tables and their progress. I think there needs to be a more personal side. I'm not saying that, you know, staff that work within multi academy trusts aren't fantastic. You know, I've had some amazing teachers within multi academy trusts, but it's those at the very top, those who are uh, sponsored by corporations and they are focused on the results and they are creating the issues such as off rolling. Okay. Um, now, what we're going to do is we're going to pop to the news. Um, we've got a little ad break as well in there. Um, some tech support tips as well. When we come back from that, what I want to do is I just want to talk about, um, again, because we started at the start, just a little bit about how this could be changed, how you see it being stopped, and then just maybe some advice for parents, carers, even young people who feel that they are in that situation. And then also, I think, you know, maybe if we could talk to um, just individual teachers and just say, look, you know, if you feel this is happening, what would you like to see them do? Is that all right? That's fantastic. Fantastic. Right, we'll see you just on the other side of this news. Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the Teacher's Health Coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger, and many more. There'll be talks, workshops, and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch, and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity, EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc. Venues, St. Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this 
is Teachers Talk Radio News. ITV News reports on the three dads walking as the men continue their 600 mile walk across the UK and Northern Ireland. Andy Airy from Cumbria, Mike Palmer from Greater Manchester and Tim Owen from Norfolk came together after their daughters took their own lives. This challenge is their second walking challenge and their key aim is to get suicide prevention on the national curriculum. Mike Palmer believes that many young people aren't really equipped with the life skills to keep them safe in later life. Their 300 mile challenge last year saw them raise almost a million pounds for suicide prevention charity Papyrus but this time they're walking to all four UK parliaments to secure support for changes to school curriculums. Former Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn has attended an event in Manchester which focused on some of the hardships faced by students in higher education. He spoke at the Right to Clothing campaign launch at University of Manchester and urged the government not to forget students in the cost of living crisis. The campaign itself aims to raise awareness of clothing deprivation and provide clothing directly to those in need. Dr Luke Graham, a University of Manchester academic, said, Whilst other deprivations are highly publicised and visible in the UK public consciousness, the same is not true of clothing deprivation. Further details of the campaign can be found on the Right to Clothing campaign website. Between the 20th of September and the 2nd of October, many schools will recognise British Food Fortnight with a series of events. Warwickshire County Council published details of events on offer in its schools, including chances for parents and families to learn more about where food comes from, as well as enjoying Britain's best seasonal and locally sourced products. The project aims to get children excited about food produced regionally and nationally. The event has been organised by Love British Food and has been going for 20 years. This year, the event also hopes to raise awareness of the benefits of short supply chains in reducing environmental impact as well as cost. The TES magazine features an article on Gaelic education in Scotland. With many families now wanting their children to learn in Gaelic, the article explores whether enough has been done to harness that enthusiasm. Half of Scottish councils offer primary Gaelic medium education, almost 40 years after the first primary unit was established in 1985. Figures also show that over 3,500 primary pupils are taught through the medium of Gaelic and that many others are drawn to the language. Data from Duolingo, a language learning app, suggests that by February 2022, over a million people had accessed the Gaelic course. The full article is available in the TES magazine. Finally, the former governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria, Lamido Sanusi, has made a passionate call for scaling up girls' education in sub-Saharan Africa. He spoke at a three-day Transforming Education Summit. He pointed out that providing girls with education and the opportunity to earn income was a single silver bullet to improve socio-economic issues and make progress towards breaking the cycle of illiteracy and poverty. He stated his regret that there is currently a deficit of 69 million teachers globally and added that many of those that work in Sub-Saharan Africa, South Africa and Southern Asia lack basic qualifications and training. Sanusi believes teachers are a powerful force, but they could not deliver quality education without training. He launched a project in 2020 with the aim of supporting ordinary teachers in developing their skills, according to a report on the This Day website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. 
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I was asked in a tweet, why does switching off and on again work? The answer is actually incredibly simple. Kind of. Every program running on your computer or device needs to load into main memory, what we know as RAM, in order to be fetched, decoded and executed by the processor. Now before you fall asleep, what that means is as you open and run multiple applications, more and more data is having to be processed. Different programs running will have different priorities, meaning some are more important than others. Things like typing on the keyboard, for example, will stop anything else and be processed first because you, the user, will expect to see a character appear on the screen. And if you don't, well, you'll press the key again and then press it again harder and suddenly get a splurge of gibberish on your screen that you'll then have to deal with. Sometimes programs don't behave, like the person in rush hour who indicates right at a roundabout then slingshots for a left turn. They get ahead of the queue, but at the cost of the other drivers waiting properly. What I'm trying to say is lots of apps are running and there's lots of queues waiting to be processed. So switching off and on again is like resetting everything, clearing the memory and allowing the programs you need to run more efficiently. Now my question to you is, do you leave your laptop on? so it's ready in the morning. Is it running slower than others? Why not try a power cycle? You know, switch it off and on again. TT Radio 2022. Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. It really is actually twilight now. We went through summer uh, where it was blazing hot sun when I was doing the show. And we've been through winter before when it's actually pitch black when I'm doing the show. This is probably the the, the one couple of week window where my, my shows are actually on at twilight while it's twilight outside. Now, we are joined by Andrew McDonald campaign director and founder of the Campaign Against Off-Rolling, an off-road student himself and now turned activist. Um, if you've missed the start of the show, I'll give you my, my, my quote that I've pulled out to explain it in one piece from The Spectator. Schools know they cannot exclude children for poor performance. They just hope that parents don't call their bluff. Uh, well, don't forget, we want to hear from you, so you can tweet us at TT Radio 2022. You can text in, you can call in as well if you're listening live in the Podbean app. In fact, if you're listening back on Spotify, on Amazon, on iTunes, however you do it, tweet us anyway if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, if you've got something you want to say on the topic of off rolling. And, you know, if you're looking, no, you'll already be listening to this, but if you want to find more shows of this, ttradio.org slash listen back. Um, you can search any topic you like, including off-rolling, although I don't know why I said that. I've confused myself because you're already listening to the show for me to give you the advice to Google for off-rolling. That's the Lemsip talking. Welcome back, Andrew. It's brilliant to be here. And um, <laughs> you, you, even, you had me confused there for a moment. I've, I've lost, I don't know why I was giving advice about how to find the show within the show. I'll tweet the advice out later. Right now, we have talked a li we have talked about what off-rolling is. We've talked about some of the impacts, who's at risk of it. 
uh, why um you know you would say it's a bad thing i i, I would go further say is a moral imperative this is not a, you know a good way for education to be behaving i feel quite ashamed that it is part of what happens um but you know we are looking to end on a positive end on some proactive things to happen now you talked a little bit about the changes you want to see happen how are you going to make that those changes happen how would how do you go about making this stop making it illegal well we're going to launch the legislative i can't say that we're still legislative agenda uh pushing some policy reforms regarding the issue the first and probably the most important thing that we can see from a policy perspective is making it illegal because as um ofsted uh, described it, it is not actually illegal it is only uh, is only never ex never acceptable we want to take it that step further because we think even that within itself would be a preventative measure you know if the um the school leaders or whomever is making the decision we are going to offer all this child know that they are going to be breaking the law not just violating some moral codes we do think that, that will act as a preventative measure within itself um, and and so does that mean sort of lobbying MPs? Go, do you have to go to uh, po policymakers? How do you go about that? Um, well, the way that we're going to be looking to do it is we're going to try and um, gather some funding to create an independent research project about the effects of off-rolling on um, those in economically deprived communities. And once we've finished that research, which looks like it will be done in about nine to 12 months, we're going to push for a um, full lobbying approach because uh, luckily enough, we've got Robert Halfen, the chair of the Education Select Committee, who follows on, us on Twitter. So we're hoping he's going to pick us up soon and uh, we're going to be lobbying MPs because this is, really isn't a party political issue. We're going to be working across all parties, regardless whether they're red, blue, yellow, green, anything, because it's not a political issue. This is a moral issue that needs to be solved. And I think that's one of the things that has surprised me most, you know, through our conversation, through the research up to this, is that, you know, it... It seems like a no-brainer to me that, of course, this, this shouldn't be allowed. But you're right, there is still this grey area around Ofsted saying it's never acceptable, but it's not illegal. And, and how these things can be hushed up, I guess, by schools or can be skated over. Um, parents not calling their bluff, as the spectator puts it. Um, now, if there are parents, carers or, you know, listening, um, what would you be, what would be your advice to them when they are, you know, faced with, if they feel something is not right about the advice they're getting from the school? Honestly, if you've got that gut, gut instinct, remain vigilant, you know, speak to a um, pro bono educational law, law service. There's, uh, there's those in most cities in the UK or speak to citizens advice. If you think that this is something that is an issue, raise it to the governors, you know, speak to the, um, the parent teacher organization within your school. Just do not sign away your child's education and don't blame yourself at all. It is it's not your fault. And get in touch with us if you think you are going to or have been off-road. We can help and uh, put pressure. Reach out to your MP, your local councillors. Just involve these external bodies if you think something is going wrong. Because even if it isn't, they'll be able to just smooth over the process, help you understand it a bit more. So it's better to shout out about it rather than just, you know, go quietly. 
Um, and I'm just going to read through a little bit of advice from, uh, you know, uh, this is from sendlegal.co.uk, who gives some advice to parents as well. They say um, one of their points is it's unlawful to exclude for non-disciplinary reasons. Um, so if that is being mentioned in meetings, there, there should be a red flag around that for you, um, you know, simply because they have uh, additional needs or the school feels it can't meet their needs. Um, they also give the the point that uh, threat of exclusion must never be used to influence a parents to remove their children from the school. Although we, we you know, we hear anecdotally that that happens, you know, fairly frequently, or, or at least within the, the, the stories of off rolling, it, it, it's a it's a common thread. Um, they also give the advice that earlier intervention should take place to identify the needs of children with SEN and underlying causes of disruptive behaviour. And that head teachers should consider what extra support might be needed. I think one of those things that we haven't, you know, really had chance to talk about is that, you know, there is, you know, I would argue there's a massive issue in how schools are funded, but there should be uh, funding within the school system to support children without the need. Uh, unless in extreme cases for them to be going elsewhere, the school is supposed to be set up to meet the needs of most children yeah absolutely and um you know again for those that weren't listening earlier or weren't tuned in um we are not against exclusion we're against you know what we see as illegal coercion for the interests of the trust or the school you know i think the only acceptable time to exclude or permanently exclude or uh, any such thing like that is when the child presents a significant risk to his or her, their peers. And that's the only, you know, real opportunity that we should see. And I, I, on your point about funding, I do think that there should be a um, more reformed system in in that sense. But unfortunately, I'm only one guy and I'm only fighting one battle at a time. But if anybody is listening and you, um, if you're a comrade of the crusade, please do, you know, take that fight, take the battle, you know, go and fight that, um, fight that institution that you see as you know, ruining the education system. Um, now, I wanted to ask you about, you know, we are Teachers Talk Radio and this is there will be teachers who are listening who, um, you know, either feel passionately about this. They, you know, they may even, you know, as you described, there are some wonderful teachers who work in the academy chains that we've sort of said might be part of a, a problem here. What would you ask of teachers, the teaching profession at that level that they can support um, sort of this this campaign? Honestly, um, you know, if you even smell anything like off-rolling, let alone witness it or take part in it, you know, tell your union, tell us, you know, raise it within internal meetings so there's some kind of record of your concern, report it to Ofsted or the Social Mobility Commission. And, you know, if you have seen a family that have been off-rolled, reach out, you know, offer your support to the child and the family if they are in a difficult position educationally. We know that, you know, 99.99% of teachers really really do care about their students you know make sure the students and parents know that when they are at their lowest but honestly just get it down on the record that you are concerned whether that's with your union internal meetings or the Ofsted or the social mobility commission you know that's fantastic advice thank you um now um if people wanted to you know to reach out to you how, how would they get into contact um, best way probably would be to either drop us a message on Twitter, which is at offrolling, or uh, drop us an email at um, enquiries at offrolling.org.uk. And they'll, uh, it'll either be me 
my fantastic digital campaign director, Jacob, or another member of uh, the team, which we are all volunteers, uh, will be able to pick up and get back to you as soon as we can. Fantastic. And, you know, I'm sure people will be interested to follow and see updates on sort of how that 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 research element is going you know how that how the the lobbying element of, of, of is going as well because i you know i think there possibly is a uh maybe a growing uh disillusionment with some of the traits of education as we move through them at the moment now i'm going to put you on the spot you know you said you were at a rethinking education conference where do you sit on education as a whole what do you think Education as a whole, gosh, you've got me there. Are we in a good place in England? I should say, you know, as, a, as yeah. a specifically for you, um, how do you feel, you know, about the the system? The way that I see it, I mean, um, if I really, you know, kind of knock it down, I'm a classicist. You know, I'm really interested in classics and the um, the uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans, mm. and I look to um, it's called the Odyssean education model. It's a, I think that we should be holistically educating our students in all traits, not just focusing in on one specific thing that they're good at, that they latch on to at 13. I'd like to see more reforms offering uh, more creativity skills, you know, um, problem solving, you know, the more holistic things that are battered away at a primary level. You know, we see kids in you know, early years, foundation stages, working together, building things. Why isn't that continued throughout the education group? Uh, education system growing proportionately i'd like to see these real life skills you know developed throughout the education system not just at the start of their education and forget about the jumping through hoops with educational um, targets and progress results i think we should be really be focusing on reforming to support our students i know that will be difficult for teachers to take on these huge reforms and you know i understand that i don't want to make life harder for any any teacher but um, yeah, I definitely see, I'd like to see a bit more reform from a creative and holistic perspective. And now I've, I, you know, I've maybe, uh, you know, uh, given hints towards my opinion on the on, on this earlier on, but I, you know, I want to ask you, and we'll finish this, you are not an educator, okay? And as I've said earlier, there is sometimes a feeling within educators, particularly within education Twitter, that people outside education or people who aren't currently practicing classroom teachers should not have um, an opinion on education. And that would be even extending to, I know you quoted Naomi Fisher there, who's um, a, a clinical psychologist. Yeah. Um, you know, And there would be people within education who say that actually people outside of education don't really we, we're not going to listen to them we shouldn't listen to them do you feel and, and this maybe is a political question i guess or you know um do you feel that people from outside of education should have a say in what goes on inside education yeah uh, i do i do because the education system it affects all of us really you know it'll affect yourself as you're going through it your children your friends your, your brothers your sisters um you know it's like you know, Anurin Bevan, he founded the NHS. He, he never even looked at becoming a doctor, but he's founded one of the greatest British institutions ever. So I, I, would, I would say to those that are saying, oh, because you're not involved in education directly, you cannot comment. I'd say that Naomi Fisher has a much vaster understanding than, um, you know, a fair amount of teachers in one specific bit of education policy. I think that all the experts within education policy, both teachers, 
um, clinical psychologists, professionals, policymakers, you know, even students and parents, that we should all come together and unite under this banner of, you know, we want to create the best education system for everybody. Well, you, do you know what? You did really well on that question. And that was my hard one at the end that I didn't even tell you about. And I was like, I'll, I'll, you know, this will be my, <laughs> my, my, my crux one. We'll get him at, you know, um, really hit home. Um, it has been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. And, I, you know, I'm sorry if, if we pried too, too, yeah. too much into personal things, but I think it is really important for people to hear the individual behind some of these facts and figures. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure coming on and uh, I really do thank you for um, having me on and thank you to all the listeners who will be listening now or listening after. Um, thank you for listening to me uh, jabber on and if you do want to find out more about the campaign, uh, have a look at us on Twitter at Offrolling or drop us an email at enquiries at offrolling.org.uk. Fabulous stuff. Now, I will do the housekeeping for the end of the show uh, where we say, um, of course, within you know, five to ten minutes of this ending, you'll be able to find us on Spotify, you'll be able to find this on Amazon, you'll be able to find it on iTunes, you'll be able to say, and I found this out the other day, I can say to my Alexa in the kitchen, play Teachers Talk Radio, and it will play Teachers Talk Radio. We we are there, but if you want to search it up, any of our topics, go to tt.radio, uh, sorry, ttradio.org slash listen back, where you can search any topic you like, you'll find out lots of interesting shows. There's such a variety from different voices within education. 90% of our hosts are teachers. And, um, you know, we are having interesting discussions. So join the debate, tune in, talk it out. Now, I should say, Andrew, I didn't prime you for this either. But in Wales, we say goodnight and nostar. So I will say nostar for now, nostar. Uh, Nostar. Oh, fabulous. See, joining in all the way. And what we'll do is we will see you all next time, either with me here on the Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio or on one of our other shows, whether that be through the Podbean app, listening back on iTunes or through our Twitter spaces. Uh, Good night, everyone. And and thanks again, Andrew. Thank you very much. And Nostar. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.